What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson, episode 21. And today, I'm going to talk about something I never thought in a million years I would ever discuss on this podcast, and that's NASCAR. And I've got a lot to say, a lot of good things to say about that sport. It's one of the few we have on television right now. And what was on display yesterday gave me the chills. The lone African-American in the sport, Bubba Wallace, a few weeks ago, he spoke out courageously about how no longer the Confederate flag should be raised at their races. And I thought to myself, man, I don't know if NASCAR is going to back them. I know NASCAR is huge in the South. They're demographic. I'm not sure NASCAR is going to make that flag come down. And they didn't think twice about it. They backed their driver immediately. No more Confederate flags. And this past Sunday at Talladega, a hateful act occurred. A noose was found in the garage of Bubba Wallace. And on Monday, NASCAR had a chance and delivered to show the world that we stand by our guy. Every single race car driver, every single pit crew member walked his car to the front of the field and stood behind him during the national anthem. NASCAR, bravo, bravo. They will not put up with the racism that still occurs in today's world. And I want to read you guys from an ESPN senior writer, Ryan McGee. The first couple paragraphs of this page will get you. Here it is. He begins. To the person or persons who tried to ruin everyone's weekend at Talladega Super Speedway, I have something I need to tell you. To the ones who thought they could dip into the tired old 1934 or 1964 racist playbook and elicit fear by placing a symbol of hate, a noose, for heaven's sake, in the garage stall of a black race car driver, I really need to make sure you are paying attention to what I have to say to you. Oh, and the grown adult or adults who spent hundreds of dollars to fly a defund NASCAR banner and Confederate flag behind a plane over Talladega, you should listen up too. Same for you rednecks who drove a parade of pickups around the perimeter of the racetrack with that same flag flying out of the beds. Or even you, who wandered onto the property at Sonoma Raceway and hung a piece of twine tied in what appeared to be a noose from a tree. I need y'all to read this next part. It didn't work. Congratulations, you failed. In fact, what you accomplished was the complete opposite of what you set out to do when you tied a rope into a loop. Called the aerial advertising guy, or ruined the resale value on your truck by bolting a flagpole into the bed. No nation, Confederate or otherwise, rallied behind your antiquated cause. Instead, the reinforcements who did roll in gathered to stand together on the other side of your pitful effort to divide and conquer the right side. 
And you want to know who really wasn't scared? Daryl Wallace Jr. That's who. Yes, Bubba wept up Monday afternoon at Talladega, but it wasn't because he was rattled by someone throwing down a piece of rope. In fact, a lot of us cried on Monday, but it certainly wasn't because of you. The always so impressive anonymous bully pushed our buttons. It was because those other 39 drivers pushed Wallace's car all the way to the front of the pre-race grid. And then so many of them repeatedly pushed his car towards the front in the aerodynamic draft. Does that not get you going? Thanks, you failed. You couldn't do it. The right side is not going to put up with the racism. Every single one of those drivers stood behind Bubba Wallace. And it was on every news platform, ESPN, to tell you, you don't scare anyone. You will never scare anyone. And NASCAR, I couldn't be more proud to see that. I'm a sports fan. I've watched NASCAR maybe five times in my entire life for no longer than 10 minutes. And yesterday... As a sports fan, and as someone who lives in the United States of America, I was proud. I was proud that every single one of those people stood behind Bubba Wallace. And I stand behind that sport and Bubba Wallace for the rest of time. Unbelievable act. Think about it. NASCAR did this. NASCAR. When Colin Kaepernick took a knee, you didn't see the NFL doing that. And I even said back then, when Colin Kaepernick took that knee, I said, how much would it mean for us as a society if every single person took a knee throughout the NFL and stood behind Colin Kaepernick to say we don't stand with racism? We all together stand against it. And NASCAR sent that message loud and clear yesterday. And you know what? I'm, I, I mean, reading that, those couple paragraphs right there. If that doesn't get you fired up, R- Ryan McGee, shout out to you. Everyone needed to read that piece. And that's just the first couple paragraphs. Go and read it, ESPN.com. Incredible. And I'm proud. I got a favorite race car driver. That's for sure. I just needed to get that off my chest. It's a Tuesday. We still have a lot of stuff going on in today's world. Especially the negotiations that have stalled throughout the process in the MLB, my favorite sport. I needed something like that. Yes, I did. Because on Sunday, when that popped up on the screen, the breaking news during SportsCenter, that there was a news found in the garage of Bubba Wallace. Disturbing. 
And NASCAR shoved it right back in their face. You didn't scare anyone. And I'll move on to baseball. Rob Manfred, I've said it, don't like him. He's going to implement the 60-game season. The Players' Union has till 2 o'clock today to agree to report on July 1st their home stadiums to start a training camp, spring training 2.0 if you want to call it, and they want to begin the season on July 24th. I'm bummed out. Baseball's in a bad spot. They can implement this 60 games. I don't even know if it's going to happen. The players can agree to it, but until the safety measures come out, the protocols, baseball should have been figuring that out weeks ago. They could have had their season figured out, all the money figured out. Let's go. Let's implement a bubble, whatever it is. But right now, we don't know. The NBA has got that all figured out. The NBA is coming back. And baseball, it's going to come back. But this thing that's going on between the players' union and the owners, it's going to have an effect down the road. And baseball is going to go on a strike in a couple years. Just watch. And it's a shame. I'm tired of talking about it. If we get baseball, that's great. 60 games, it'll be cool. They got to compete with the NBA playoffs and into the NFL season. We'll see how that goes. Just 60 games. Best team's probably not going to end up in the World Series. And it's going to be hard to sell. When LeBron James is competing in the Western Conference Finals and the Tampa Bay Rays are playing the Chicago White Sox in a division series, good luck. Because if you're a sports fan, you know which one you're tuning into. That's right, LeBron James. So, I do want to say this. This past weekend, I watched two different things. I watched Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler's movie. He got the Oscar buzz leading up to it. Wasn't nominated. And I'm here to tell you, I didn't like the movie. Shouldn't have been nominated. Huge Adam Sandler fan. Not a great movie. There was a lot of screaming going on for the first hour. If my brother didn't tell me that it had a suspenseful ending, I probably would have clocked out. So I stuck around. The last 40 minutes were good. It made me miss sports betting. Following a game, following prop bets. Hoping your guy gets one more rebound so you hit the over. Hoping your other guy hits the under on 15 points. I just missed that aspect of sports betting. And Adam Sandler did great doing that, but just too much yelling in that movie. The girl in it, though, she could have got an Oscar for being one of the hottest girls out there. That was a plus. I'm not going to lie. I stuck around maybe to see her a couple more times. So that's my uh, thumbs down on Uncut Gems. And going into it, I asked a couple people and there was difference of opinion. Yeah, it was good. I loved it. It was bad. And I fell on the other side. Not great. The other one I watched, Ken Griffey Jr. And if you follow me on Twitter, uh, I went on a deep dive. Sunday, I, that's all I was tweeting about. Ken Griffey Jr. 
the documentary on MLB Network. It was at MLB Network Presents Junior. I've already watched it twice. And I tweeted out, Ken Griffey Jr. is where it starts when we're talking about the GOAT in the sport of baseball. Was there anyone better during their prime? Was there anyone better at every aspect of the game of baseball? The answer is no. And he played in the steroid era. And by all accounts, he did it all natural. And I loved that part of the documentary at the end. That's what separates him from that era. He did it the right way. And he hit 630 homers. And his late career was derailed by injuries. And there's no doubt about it. He would be the home run king if injuries didn't hamper the second half of his career. He hit 630. And he had a torn hamstring, two wrist surgeries, a knee surgery, ruptured ankle. And I'm on record. The best part of that documentary is when he got to play with his dad, Ken Sr. And Ken Sr. was a part of the Big Red Machine, two championship teams, 1975-1976. A lot of people think it's the greatest baseball team ever assembled. And it's a good debate. He was a part of it, three-time All-Star, All-Star Game MVP. And at the age 40, the Seattle Mariners brought him on and he got to play with his son. I can't even comprehend it. I can't wrap my head around playing with your dad. And these guys looked like they were having a blast doing it. Ken Jr. was kind of messing around with them. There's a part when a fly balls hit to left, two outs in the inning. Ken Griffey Jr. steps in front of Sr. and snags the ball. Laughs his way to the dugout. Ken Sr. comes in and says, hey, you're ground. Give me your keys. Ken Sr. said he's the only guy ever that could say he heard from the on-deck circle, come on, Dad. These guys hit back-to-back home runs in the same game. Dad goes dead central against the Angels. Junior comes up, hits one over the left field wall. We'll never see that again. Ever. And then there's the part with Ken Griffey Jr. and his commercials. And I went, that's when I went in the deep dive. Because we've heard the talk, baseball doesn't really market their players well. Boy, did they market Ken Griffey Jr. well. He was a giant star. He was in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I remember a commercial. Ten-year-old me remembers a commercial, Pepsi commercial, with Ken Griffey Jr. and Sammy Sosa. Legendary. Ken Griffey Jr. baseball game, N64. I still have it. If I could find the core to buy N64... That's what I'd be doing during this quarantine. Ken Griffey Jr., hands down, backwards hat. He was iconic. If you're going to show any person that wants to be a baseball fan any highlights, it's Ken Griffey Jr. The swing, the prettiest swing there will ever be. Ever. I could watch it on a loop. It's in my head now. From the left side. I love him, man. 24. And yes, I'm getting a Seattle Mariners hat. I think I'm going to do the Navy on top, till bill, and flip that around to represent Ken Griffey Jr. on a regular basis. I don't know one person that could say they weren't a Ken Griffey Jr. fan. 
me and my friends used to play wiffle ball. We used to draft teams and then go in the backyard and imitate their batting stances. And if you had that first pick, you were either going Gary Sheffield or Ken Griffey Jr. So that's a great documentary. I already watched it twice. Probably going to watch it a third time. That's, that's nostalgia right there. That's the baseball that I need in my life. And it's sad that I have to watch documentaries to get it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I wanted to update you guys on books. Man, June's been a tough month. I fell behind very quickly, started reading a book about Mickey Mantle. I was like, mm, maybe this isn't the one for me. So I jumped back in to Boys Will Be Boys by Jeff Perlman on the Dallas Cowboys of the 90s. Electric. I never finished it, so I'm on chapter 12. I will finish it by June, and I'll be six for six. I'm going to Palm Springs this week. I might do another podcast. I'm going with a bunch of buddies. We'll see how, to ha- we'll see how out of control we get. But there could be some interesting guests on those. There's a diehard Lakers fan there. There's a Chargers fan. Not much to talk about there. But I'm going to end this podcast. We ended last week when I brought Ronnie Clark on and Kyle Slowey by calling out our fantasy football rivals. Now, I made a trade. No one wants to hear about your fantasy football team. That's the say in radio. No one ever wants to hear you talk about your fantasy football team. But I'm going to do so. That's why 10 after 7 is awesome. Free space. We could talk about it. So kind of big news. Fantasy football right around the corner. And I got the itch to trade. It's a keeper league auction draft. I had Lamar Jackson last year. MVP. And I traded him. I traded him for Kyler Murray. Because Kyler Murray is a few dollars cheaper I think there's rookies going into the NFL this year that I'm willing to spend a pretty penny on when the auction draft arrives. So that extra $11, if it's that, whatever, that will be going towards a possible C.D. Lamb. And Luke Trenowski's coming at me, Ethan Searles. When I bid a dollar more than you and you're out of money for C.D. Lamb, rethink all that trash you were talking I've got stones. I think Kyler Murray, I said it, write it in stone. He's going to have a better year than Lamar Jackson. DeAndre Hopkins in town. Fitzgerald on the other side. Christian Kirk. Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Kenyon Drake started to appear last year. He's the offensive rookie of the year last year. I don't know if you know that. He's got one of the best arms in football. And when he hits DeAndre over the top for, I'm saying, 10-plus touchdowns this year with that duo, rethink again. Rethink it. I'm excited to watch Kyler Murray every single Sunday because I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to repeat his MVP season. They got a lot of different running backs. Lamar's probably not going to run as much. He's not going to repeat what he did last year. And Kyler, write it down. That's the lock of this podcast. Kyler Murray is going to have a better season than Lamar Jackson will be in the MVP conversation and the Cardinals will probably go to the playoffs. And I whiff, so be it. So be it if I whiff. I'm willing because I've got stones. 
My keepers now are Kyler Murray, Nick Chubb, and I get to decide if I want to keep OBJ or Julio Jones. Two top five talents. I'm out. I don't want to get too much into it. Fantasy football guys, Ethan, Luke, John Serta. Take your shots. You're going to miss. Cody's coming. First title this year. Book it. You guys could follow me on Twitter at 10 after 7 and on the Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Hopefully another one will be released this week with a surprise guest. I'm out. Woo! Go Dodgers.